happy Easter. No, seriously, happy Easter. Happy Easter. I want to take this out. Oh, that feels better. So y'all may have noticed the video we played earlier. I know some of you couldn't see um, based on where you're sitting, but the very first slide said Resurrection Sunday is not complete without that great story of grief. And it, it is. It's not. It's not complete. It's incomplete without considering the whole life and ministry and teachings and murder of Jesus. Before my daughter went to bed last night, I squeezed her tight and I whispered in her, in her ear, Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and she looked at me, I'm not joking, she goes, that doesn't matter to me. What's important is the day itself. Easter, Jesus. <laughs> and I wanted to be proud, but I'm really competitive, and Easter egg hunts are really important to me, and I haven't gotten to participate in one in a really long time, so I was hoping she would be more excited about it, but we'll see, we'll see. But she's right, right? She's right. Easter is not just some annual cultural tradition of Easter egg hunts and pretty dresses and deviled eggs and whatever, family pictures, whatever y'all do. Um, we didn't get here on a magic carpet of churchy platitudes. We worked for this day. We traversed the depths for this. Not just during the last six weeks of Lent, but in our lives, especially in the last several years, we deserve a day or two on the calendar to celebrate sometimes. What I mean to say is that our faith, and I know I don't know every single person in here, but I'm just going to make a guess, our faith has been tested in a lot of ways. And what remains has been hard fought. It's come with a lot of loss and a lot of pain. And there have been a lot of deaths on this journey. Deaths of belief, deaths of ideologies, certainty, deaths of relationships, deaths of belonging. So talking about life and resurrection, daring to talk about that, it's not very meaningful when we don't keep the sorrow, the grief, the loss in mind. So yeah, I'd say just by being here today, we have wrenched this Easter blessing from the very hands of God. So congratulations. <laughs> I bet many of us can relate to that sorrow that Mary is experiencing at the start of our text from the Gospel of John. And if you're like me, it's become urgent, non-negotiable, that we don't gloss over that part of the Easter story. I think about all the many years that I did gloss over it, that I read the story with little to no awareness of Mary's grief. I think about the way many faith contexts talk about Good Friday versus Easter Sunday, contrasting them like night and day. It is such a reflection of our dualistic tendencies and our addictions to the binary. But the story of Easter, really, it's full of paradox. It's full of non-dualism. It's full of mystery. The story of Easter is beautiful and hopeful and even happy, but woven through the resurrection story is a lot of sadness and fear and disappointment and heartache. 
Sometimes Easter services will gloss over those parts. But what is Easter if we have no recollection of the valleys? Of the valleys in here, the valleys out there, and even the valleys in our story from our tradition, our faith tradition. And so every year we go here, here. (laughs) We read these same old stories again and again, and this year, here's what I noticed. Mary looking for a body. Verse 2, the rabbi has been taken from the tomb. We don't know where they have put Jesus. Verse 13, they asked her, why are you weeping? She answered, because they have taken away my rabbi, and I don't know where they've put the body. Verse 15, she said, please, if you're the one who carried Jesus away, tell me where you've laid the body, and I will take it. I will take it away. Mary looking for a body. Mary needing a body. And I relate. I think we can relate. In many ways, we are looking for a body, for enough proof, enough evidence that this faith path we have devoted our time and energy and years to is still relevant and valuable. In the meantime, we've experienced hit after hit, year after year, whether through our faith wrestling, our personal circumstances, or our observations of the world, which often feels like it's crumbling down around us. We are disillusioned and scared and grieving and disappointed, just like Mary. We need a body, but the body is not here. We need a body, but the body is us. We are the body. We've chosen this path for whatever reason. Maybe this path chose us. Maybe we inherited it. For whatever reason, we're here today. And it's a reminder of that choice, but no choice is easy. No choice is all fun, all joy, all the time. No choice resonates in every single moment, in every single season. And no choice is without a little bit of faith, a little bit of work on our part, some consistency, some loyalty to that work. No choices without hard times, confusion, grief, or fear. And yet here we are, continuing to choose to put our time and energy and hearts into this path, this work, this sacred space making we're doing here. Why? I'll tell you why, my why anyway. All you have to do is look around. No, seriously, look around. We are surrounded by community. We're surrounded by faith community. We're surrounded by kindreds who care. We are surrounded by love. God is love. Love is here. Look around. This is the stuff of resurrection. Perhaps our dead and dying faith can also be resurrected, even just a little, this Easter. So many... People are leaving the church, you may have noticed. The great story of the Christian tradition has lost all meaning in the face of institutional harm that has flowed down into our very bodies, and we've suffered. The way Christianity has held hands with systems that harm all of us, like patriarchy, 
white supremacy, those aren't buzzwords. Those are systems that harm all of us. The way Christianity has colluded with politicians who then use its ideologies to hoard power. Fun! (laughs) The way Christianity has impacted how our own communities and our own families have treated us. We've suffered. For many, the harm and the trauma and the continued triggers of it all is just too much. And it's been truly essential to get out for some. And so many are leaving the church and this tradition behind. They're over it. They don't see the value in it. I get it. I really do. And I will never tell a person whether it's right for them to stay or go. Still, I've been here a while, and I've seen it happen again and again in our own community so many times, and it hurts every time. For those of us, you know, on staff, it breaks your heart a little bit every time someone has to go. But I'm still here, for what it's worth. (laughs) I'm still in it. I still believe in a God who conquers death, in a God who chooses solidarity with the poor over power. I'm still here. We are still here. We are still here. We're like, we're literally here, right? And I still believe that there's great value in our community. And not just in this present moment right now, I believe we are building something that matters for our future, even if it is just our little tiny corner in the world. I believe that every ounce of our energy and our faith that we lend to these efforts is worth it. We don't always have the energy for it in every season, for faith. That's why we do it in community. So for those of us who still have the heart to do this work, who still see some beauty in the faith path, and yes, even in this tradition, For those of us who still have some energy for reclaiming and rebuilding, I wonder if new life could be breathed into our meaning-making. Could our work as the body be resurrected in new ways? So many of us are disheartened in these times. I hate to be a downer, but I just feel like that's where a lot of us are. The reality of division and corruption, climate change, economic frailty, oppressive legislation, just to name a few. It's bowled us over. And yet, we are the kind of people who choose not to look away from these things. What is wrong with us? (laughs) We choose not to go to sleep. We choose to stay awake and aware. We hunger for authenticity. If it's not real, we don't want it. And so the whole concept of church these days, it just often feels so fake and so pointless. So we're searching for what's real and what's true in these times, and we're weary from the search. We're tired, and we want proof it's worth it. We want something we can touch, something we can count on. Like Mary, we're searching for a body. We need a body. But the body is not here. Not because it was taken from us, not because it was co-opted by institution or empire. Like Mary, a body is not here because it has risen. The same Christ, then and now, 
like our Christ, we must rise and be the body. The body is us. This rising, this resurrection work, is not sustainable without some faith. Without some trust in things we don't see, we can't understand, or make sense of, or hold in our hands, faith is required of us, and it's just not sustainable to cultivate faith without each other, without sacred support for the inevitable seasons when we have no faith at all. We need community who won't be judgmental of that. This is why it makes sense to me to pour time into our little community. This is why it makes sense to me that we invest in each other, even when we're not always feeling it. We need each other to have faith and hope, faith in people in this world, faith even in God. Honestly, in these times we're living in, I can't see a way forward without faith. And so I can't see a way forward without you. And the thing is, all the fear and the anxieties and the doubts and the uncertainties and the disillusionment, discouragement, and the apathy, all of it, to me, is evidence of a faith that is engaged and active and authentic. This is all the proof we need that we are here showing up. We're doing the hard things faith requires of us. We're doing it now, right now, more than ever. Not less, as our old faith paradigms would make us think, we are doing more by showing up after all we've lost and all we've burned down. Like Mary, we have become people who have learned to follow the grief. That is wisdom, what she did. She followed the grief. That's part of what we've been trying to do all these years in this community. We've been following the trail of sorrow that living with eyes wide open has revealed to us. We have learned to follow the real ones, the truth tellers, those who dare to peer inside dark, empty tombs. And Mary has been such a beautiful model for us in this way. But here's the thing. Mary was content to set up shop here. I don't know if you noticed in the text, her instinct was to hold on to the body she had recovered. She wanted to hold on to Jesus, but Jesus said, don't hold on to me, go. And so in good faith, she went. And note, she didn't just go, she announced resurrection. She embodied resurrection. Like Mary, we are meant to be Easter people. We acknowledge the realities of pain and loss and grief and trauma. We go there, we don't bypass any of it. But like Mary, we don't stay there and certainly not in our faith journeys. Because this space we're creating here, it's not a graveyard. This place, this community, this church, and this work is not a graveyard. This is not a place for our faith to come and die. That's not what we're doing here. We are resurrection people, and this is a life-giving place. And there will always be room here for us to assess and name the damage done. There will always be a place here for unapologetic truth-telling. But I hope and pray that this place is also nourishing, 
a garden space where our faith is regularly cultivated, where hope and peace and energy are given to us so that we can face the world, where our souls can bloom, where we can flourish. This is a life-giving place interested in the stuff of resurrection. Believing in a collective space like this takes faith. That's one thing that never changed from the then and now, for those of you who have a then and now in your faith. It always takes a little faith. It takes faith to decide to exit the graveyard. It took faith for Mary to let go of the physical body of Jesus, her friend and her teacher, whom she had just lost to brutal death and then miraculously gotten back. It took faith for her to let him go once again and leave the graveyard behind. And the same is true for us. Whether you've deconstructed, reconstructed, or none of the above, the faith has never made sense, and there will always be a healthy dose of mystery attached to it. So Easter people, resurrection people, the story of Christ, what does it all mean, and does it matter? I think it matters just because we say it matters. I think it has power because we've chosen to lend it power because we're simply choosing not to be dead. We're deciding not to live from within the rubble of our dead and dying faiths. We have decided to do some announcing by way of embodying resurrection in here and out there. When we don't have the strength to live into this, our community of faith is our strength. But regardless, the story of resurrection, the collective power of it, will carry on with or without us. Why wouldn't we want to participate somehow, some way? Why wouldn't we want to contribute to the kind of meaning-making that consistently and stubbornly prioritizes life and the inevitable triumph of peace, hope, and love? I don't need good theology or spoken, you know, well-spoken words or permission to get behind this kind of resurrection work. I only need you. <laughs> Just you. Community being the hands and feet of Christ to me and me to you. This is the body I need. This is the body we need. Where is the body? Mary frantically wondered on that early Easter morning in that graveyard, and we wonder too. I'm saying take comfort. The body has risen. Look around. The body is us. Hallelujah. May we rise to the occasion. Amen.